You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Hello and welcome back to the Batuta Advocate radio show. My name is Errol Parker. Here with me again, as always, is Clancy Overall. Clancy, how's your week been? Yeah, good, mate. Um, yeah, we, uh, you know, as has as been reported in the newspaper, we felt a few tremors here on Wednesday. Yeah, it was rather scary time for us all. But, you know, we, we, we've experienced this before and we will rebuild. But yeah, outside of that, things are good. Things are good. Still outside of lockdown and um, hoping to keep it that way. Well, yeah, mate. There were a lot of uh, a lot of road crews out having to fix the roads after the earthquake we had up here on Wednesday. You know, gas works, various things like that. But one thing though that pales in comparison to this earthquake that the nation felt from Broome to Bega, from Cairns to Esperance, was some of the ripples coming out of Canberra's previous week about. A one-time Attorney General, Christian Porter, taking money from what essentially was a discretionary trust, blind trust. Um, if you're, if you like Barnaby Joyce and have a degree in, in accounting, you know there were questions whether was Christian Porter acting in the faith of the law and in, in the true spirit of the law, or was Christian Porter being corrupt? And those are questions that we will never know answers to because we don't have a federal corruption watchdog. However, today on the show we have Ross Jones. Ross Jones is, a, is an independent investigative journalist working for Independent Australia, among other things. He's written various books on different facets of Australian politics in recent years, namely the James Ashby case. And most importantly today, he is here in his capacity as being one of the head honchos of the federal ICAC Now Party, which has just been registered with the AEC. He joins us here today. Ross, how are you? Good, thanks. Good. Now, just delving into this uh, question of having a federal ICAC, why haven't we had a federal ICAC in Australian federal politics before? There's been a couple of attempts at it. The Greens put up a proposal a couple of years ago into the Senate, and it got through the Senate, they got bounced in the House of Representatives. Helen Haynes in the in the House of Reps put up an independent bill. Morrison and the LNP, they refused to hear that bill, refused to let it through. Yeah. And I think in answer to your question, the real reason is because the LNP don't want a liberal don't want a federal ICAC. They certainly don't want an ICAC. So how is the ICAC um, as we know it basically in New South Wales? It's the independent crime and corruption commission thereabouts. But um how did that come about in, in New South Wales? Well, I think it was, it was a while ago now, but I think was, Nick, Nick yeah. Griner started it, yeah. and then it, uh, he was its first victim, pretty much. But it's, evo- it's evolved since then. It's coming along quite well. This whole, the whole current thing with um, Maguire yeah. really came out of the inquiry into Canterbury Council, just a little passing inquiry into Canterbury Council and a, a wiretap, and Bob's your uncle, you've got Maguire. Queensland is familiar with this kind of watchdog, and we certainly don't have a watchdog with gummy teeth in the shape of the Triple C. <laughs> that was kind of, I guess, brought into existence under Joe, or after Joe, at the fall yeah. of Joe. And it's funny, it might, it might never have happened uh, had that uh, ABC Four Corners been aired, The Moonlight State with Chris Masters, where he yeah. kind of blew the lid off the joke which is what the uh, police and the politicians were referring to their syndicate at the time in the 80s. And at the same time, Joe was out of the state, so there was an acting deputy who then called for a Fitzgerald inquiry. That was all chance. Yeah. 
there's a lot of chance required to get something like this off the ground usually. There is. And I don't think, you know, if you're stamping out any kind of opportunity for that to take place, if you don't have a deputy willing to keep you honest or the likes, if you don't even have a, you know, a public broadcaster willing to broadcast those things, which we also know our government's keen to kind of slash as much as they can, you don't really get these results. But you've come an interesting way in, Ross, with the federal ICAC now party. Can you tell us about the, the kind of the grassroots of that and, and, and when those rumblings started and, and, and who kind of got together to talk about this? We started about three years ago when I was working with Independent Australia as investigations editor. The amount of stuff that used to come across our, our desk was enormous, you know, and, but you can't stand up and allege someone's corrupt. You can't just stand there and say, mate, you're corrupt because that way lies pain and, and lots, yeah. of, you know, lots of lawsuits. But still nobody was doing anything about it. The Greens had put up a bill that, that was successful in the Senate, but not in the reps. Uh, and Helen Haynes' bill failed in the... Well, didn't even get put up in the reps. So a lot of our readers got together and thought, well, you know, this is just getting out of hand. We need to bring some political clout directly to bear on this because nobody's doing anything about it whatsoever. So through the pages of Independent Australia, we started floating the idea that we'd have a party called Federal ICAC now which happily translate, uh, abbreviates to Finn, which is yeah. pretty good. And a lot of people responded very positively, extremely mm-hmm. positively. So within, well, I think we started it in May 2019. By 2020, we had our members all up and we had enough members to go with. We submitted our proposal or our application to the AEC in October 2020. Yeah. Uh, and those at that time, you needed 500 people on the electoral roll, valid electors, to support your party. You have to provide that list to the AC. They check it. They go through all their, their checks on it and verify that they all are indeed members. And if they are, and you've done everything else right, you get a party. Yep. So eventually we ended up with a political party. And that we got that in September the 2nd because when we first lodged it, it's supposed to take 12 weeks. Then they had the groom by-election almost straight away. Mm-hmm. And when they've got a by-election, the AEC all just put their Ugg boots on and go home. <laughs> so they weren't, weren't processing anything. So we had to wait till the end of that, and that was February. So And then they dragged on and on and on and on. So we didn't hear anything for an awfully long time. So we, we finally got it through in September. And then almost immediately, uh, or even before they'd, they'd announced that we'd, we were successful, the Libs put another bill through Parliament called the Electoral Amendment Act 2021, which effectively, well, not effectively, raised the limit for political parties from 500 to 1,500, which is a hell of a jump. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's triple. Yeah. And it was, it's it's retrospective. So even if you're in a situation like we are, where we've got our 550 members, you know, through the AC and all all, all good, they say, now, I'm sorry, you need 1,500. Okay. So... We'll probably get there, the pace we're going, but... What are you at now? About 1,200. Oh, you'll get over the line. Yeah. So we need about 300. 300, so. 300 listeners right now, if you, if you want a federal ICAC. So, yeah. I know that we do have a lot of listeners uh, to this show and a, a lot of readers of the Batuta Advocate too that are very concerned about corruption at a federal level. So I, I think uh, you'll probably at least get 300 of them. I mean, of the you know, fifty to 60,000 people that listen to this show every day. 
<laughs> we should be able to get some. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, you know, we also don't like to engage in political corruption. This isn't particularly an endorsement, but the only person we've no. ever endorsed is obviously Bob Carter. Yeah. And I'm and I'm sure he would back everything you you put on the table, wouldn't he? Yeah, I think he would actually. Yeah. <laughs> Bob, Bob's come out and, and said, you know, he, he wants a federal ICAC. Yeah. So he's behind it. There was a little thing that they were talking about in the libs for a while there. Yeah, they said they, you know, they essentially promised some sort of watchdog tri- oh, yeah. tribunal that could maybe put someone in political timeout for a period. What was the watchdog that they proposed but haven't yet formed? It was called the CIC, something Integrity Commission, Commonwealth yeah. Integrity Commission or something, because you, you hardly remember the name because it was yeah. so ridiculous. They set that up so that it was mainly to investigate and scare the tribe out of public service and senior police. Yeah. That's what it was mainly to do because that, they could investigate those, no problem. When it came to investigating political corruption, though, that you couldn't, an outside party couldn't make a recommendation to that body. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't, wouldn't investigate yeah. it. So it had to be a crime. Yeah. They have to commit a crime and the crime has to be committed before it goes to that body. So it has to come from essentially a state DPP, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Jackie Lambie described it as a toothless lap tiger. Yeah, it is. Not a, a watchdog at all. Yeah. I think the land even d- described <laughs> it as a toothless you. <laughs> <laughs> so the Finn federal ICAG now is what yeah. you're, is is obviously the big play. We don't know when the next election's going to be and we, uh, we hope even well, with these retrospective rule Aldo changes. I reckon's March, he was telling us. I yeah. It gives us a few months to get get the process, providing there's no by elections in. Then we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Pierce might open up pretty soon, but we never know. We need a federal ICAC to see someone like uh, Christian Porter out the door because there's, there's a new there's a new level of entitlement. I guess we've seen growing in our political class that that it's almost unprecedented. You know, that once upon a time Barry O'Farrell stands down for a bottle of wine. Uh, you know, back under Howard, there were ministers who were, who were being sacked for uh, not declaring colour televisions that they brought back yeah, with yeah. them overseas. Now we've got some of the most heinous crimes we've uh, really heard of in, in, in recent memory alleged against staffers, sitting politicians, and everyone kind of, I think we, we the, the new protocol is mental health leave and to sue the fuck out of the ABC. Mm. There's no, there's nothing else that we can expect from them. So, uh, yeah, that, this, this should be an interesting um, thorn in the side of Canberra if we can get, if we can get a couple. You, you obviously, you're running straight at the Senate. We, we, will, we are running straight at the Senate. We, we, look, to tell you the honest truth, it's crossed our mind. A couple, there's a couple of seats that maybe we go at, but it's not really appropriate for us to represent local people. That's yep. not what we're doing, yeah. representing yep. local communities. So, well, they yeah, were saying, the you know, when Anthony Albanese was elected uh, to the House of Reps, his biggest competition in Grainland back then was not, you know, the Liberal Party, all of the Greens. It was the no second airport. <laughs> no, it, 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 was, it was the no second runway party at Kingsford Smith. So, yeah. you, you know, they did have the east, east West, which was the first runway down there. And then they put in one north south and they wanted to, to put in that one. It's the far east. Mm. And that was Albo's biggest competition there because they didn't want the aircraft noise. In yeah. Marrickford, which self-interested you know. voters, plenty of them out there. Yeah. So, in saying that, what more can a single-issue party bring to the table other than its single issue? There's a couple of stages to it. Once we get the, our party firmly established, yep. Right at the moment, we can't really announce candidates or do any of those things because we haven't got we haven't we can't we you can't say those the, things. Yeah, you haven't got people, are, people aren't going to say yes, I'm going to run for Finn, and then suddenly there's no party. They're not going to. You know, we, so we yeah. need to have all those ducks in a row before we come out and yeah. say things. 
Once we do that, though, and we, I think that's not going to be in that too distant future, hopefully, a micro party, which is what we are, has not only the ambition of getting into a Senate and, and being, getting some, some say in it that way, it also has an impact before the election. And that's a lot of the stuff that we want to do. Yep. In other words, try and draw the public's attention to it before the election as a valid political party, talking, speaking from that level. Uh, which increases if you're just a, a lobby group or just somebody you know mucking around, the the impact of what you're saying I think is a lot less. Whereas if you're a political party and you come out and challenge people politically at that level, I think that we're raising the awareness in Australians, and it's crucial, mate, because this place is going to hell in a handbasket with these people. They really are getting out of control. And has it gotten worse in recent years? Oh, or, I think the last couple. I think even last couple of years it's like accelerated. Underlying, well, you know. I mean, really, it is just recent, but you don't need to see it even more than Christian Porter to know it to see what's going on, do you? The yeah. whole thing is so... The effrontery of the whole thing is just... It's, it's an insult to Australians. Well, even as the the highest law officer in, in the country, I mean, even that, you know, was a bit on, on the nose for, you know, your run-of-the-mill infrastructure minister. Yeah. You know, but, you or know... Or a backbencher. <laughs> to be the arbiter of what is right and wrong legally in this country and to engage in that type of stuff's a bit... You know, how are you going? And to, really, to sue the ABC? I and mean, they didn't even yeah. name him. That was just and a, a petulant n- knee-jerk action. And Louise, <laughs> our friend. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously he didn't have the money in the bank to do it. Oh, Christ, no. But he, he was probably promised that money before, I imagine. But that's just speculation. I mean, there's anyone that could have done it. We all know that there's a lot of people that don't like the ABC. There's plenty of people out there that would have... Gladly filled him up with money to run the ball at their their enemy, your enemy is my enemy, kind yeah. of thing. Um, we can't say oh, any na- yeah. we can't say oh, any names because we'll probably get fucking the ABC so. yeah, and yeah. the like. They've just everyone from people you know, certain tiny countries within a city in Europe that's in charge of one of the major churches in this planet. You know, <laughs> perhaps them or maybe some other people. People that know. make money from digging rocks out of the ground and yeah. burning them at an accelerating yeah. well, rate. There's there's the other point there. I mean. I think it's got worse under COVID. I yeah. There's no doubt about it. You know, that's just a nice big comfort blanket for them to all hide yeah. under while they get up to what, uh, what they're pool. doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just well, one giant wall pool. This COVID and that our, our, the prime minister's initial cabinet was just full of mining guys and resource people yeah. and gas people, and and so that's what they're going to do. They just frack the hell out of the place. So there were changes made to how preferences flow in in the federal upper house. So it kind of makes it harder for people like your Ricky Muir's, and, uh, you know, your Jackie Lambies to get into the into the Senate. It does, that's right. Yeah. How, how have those changes affected you? Well, I haven't affected us at all yet because... Not, you know, well, yeah. like, well, you know, there was, you know, essentially a much easier path into the Senate, you know, for a party like Finn a couple of years ago, yeah, but so now well, it's much more difficult. It, it, and I think that's how it affects us. It. It's going to be much more yep. difficult. You know, we need a fairly... We need a lot of things to fall into place in yeah. a nice pattern for us to get there. The, the path's there if we want... If, well, but, but even then, like, I suppose you could say that if the Finn existed a couple, a couple of years ago, a lot of those people who ended up in the Senate probably wouldn't have been there in the first place. Mm. I think that's right. We've, we've previously interviewed the uh, a man colloquially known as the Preference Whisperer, Glenn Drury. If you are listening, Glenn, we might need a bit of pro bono magic from you. Well, yes, we actually interviewed... Uh, Glenn, I, I think he was, you know, he, he would have been the second or third episode that we had of the Batuta Advocate podcast. That was when 
we decided to move our radio show onto onto the internet too, so people outside the, the Diamond Tina could listen to it. No, but Glenn, he took us out on his boat um, out into international waters and he and he uh, gave us a real, you know, stern talking to before the interview and he told us, you know, he, he was telling us industry secrets about, you know, how he got grossly un- underqualified people like Darren Hinch <laughs> into the Senate. But he also did a lot of good. He got, you know, people who deserved a voice in federal politics, like people like Yuriki Muir's. Mm-hmm. You know, he deserved to, to be there much more than Darren did. Yeah, or Malcolm Roberts or the like. But, yeah, so what does your path look like now to the Senate? Like, do you have to essentially get more more votes than the other parties? No, it's, I think it's still the equal quota yep. thing. You've got to remember this election coming up is a half-Senate election. It's not a full-Senate election. Yep. So only half the number of – clearly half the number of senators yep. come up for, for re-election. I think in New South Wales, I worked out we're going to we, to get to get us up in New South Wales on a quota. It's going to be about eight hundred thousand. Yeah. Okay. Give or take. So basically, you've got about as much chance as anyone else, really. But you've probably got more chance than Christina Keneally had, I guess. You know, now that she's gone <laughs> off to the lower house. <laughs> you know, well, even that, you know, that's. I mean, who knows? She might not have been able to do that if a party like Finn had existed a couple of years yeah. ago and was in the Senate now. If we can get across, I think a lot of people are relaxing, thinking we'll get a federal ICAC because Labor are going to come in, and when Labor come in, we're going to get a federal ICAC. They've said that. No worries. You know that'll, that'll get oh, done. I can believe it when I see it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. First of all, first of all, you got to think Labor are going to win. Yeah. And they look, you know, they're doing okay at the moment. Well, we're not listening to the bookies. We're not listening to the polls well, either. Not, you know, you, mm. what was last time? You couldn't get on with a dollar one. I don't yeah. think last time. So, <laughs> you know, it's um, the chances of them getting in up. Look, they're good, but there's no guarantee that they're going to get up. And even if they do get up, their proposal for an ICAC is much more robust than the Libs, of course. But nevertheless, they don't guarantee funding for it. They mm-hmm. don't. Yeah, there's no, there's all these little peripheral things that they're not guaranteeing, and let it, oh. yeah, there's a couple of little loose holes through there. Whereas you get a bill like Helen Haynes, it's well thought through. Yeah, uh, and that would be an effective bill. Uh, you're an expert in political corruption because you spent a lot of time on the beat chasing it and uh, ripping the you know ripping the sheet off it. One of your books that, that we both read was Ashby Gate, you know, the, about the um, – I guess, how, how was it described? It that was, was basically was, what was happening in Parliament House when everyone was uh, busy kind of vilifying Julia Gillard in her kind of – the back end of her term. There was this other thing going on. It's been described by many as basically an, an attempt and a, really a successful attempt to unseat a speaker. I, I went further than that. It was an attempt yeah. to overthrow an elected government. Yeah. They managed to get rid of the Speaker, okay, and I think they managed in their second goal too. I mean, they got rolled. Can you can you tell us, for a lot of our listeners, because they, they might not have been across all of this, but um, can you tell us kind of what happened and what sparked your eye to go chase it and write a book about it? I was working as an investigator back in 2000, you know, for the last 20 years or so, and uh, I, I, as part of that job I did quite a bit of litigated workers' comp stuff. And yeah. so I had a passing, more than a passing interest in workers' compensation matters. And then James Ashby, who's a gay man, came out and accused the Speaker of the House, Peter Slipper, of sexually molesting him. Yeah. And Peter's a, a Christian minister in some strange corner of the church. I forgot what it's called, some mm-hmm. part of the Catholic Church. 
uh, and is a man of he he presents as a man of high moral rectitude. Yeah. And so when James came out and said, you know, mate, you've been filling me up, then the, everybody went wild. Yeah. And the shit at the fan. The shit at the fan. What happened, of course, the shit hit the fan in the Murdoch press. It didn't hit the fan anywhere else in the first no. place. Because Murdoch was involved completely in the whole plot to do it from the very start. Really? Oh, yeah. How high did it go up in News Corp? Well, I don't know. Yeah, but I, I know, I, I, can't, I can't say, but I know in, inside News Corp were intimately involved in the whole process. It was part, part of their thing. In fact, just as rare as when he threw the matter out of court, said clearly that James Ashby conspired with Mel Bruff and others <laughs> to, you know, to overthrow the government. So it was that triumvirate of, of, of you know, Ashby being an opportunist, yep. the Liberal Party wanting to get rid of Slipper, overthrow the government, and you know, corruption yep. generally, as it all goes. So... Again, for a lot of our, our listeners and readers who might not know, is um, is that James Ashby has has found a new home in Canberra. He's ended up working for Pauline Hanson, mm. chief of staff. Yeah, what would make him so employable after he's just essentially toppled a government from the inside? Well, one of the main reasons is he never suffered any repercussions for it. And there was no consequences for what he did, so he walked away from the whole matter scot-free. Yeah. Which is why after after I went through it, I, I'm still gobsmacked that he did. You know, he he abused the court system, and they they tr- quite, clear, yeah. quite clearly. So and that all sort of came trickled to an end in sort of 2013-14, and it was at the rise of Pauline, her yeah. comeback thing was. 2015, roughly, she started again, 2014. Her ex-chief of staff, uh, or the ex-head of uh, Pauline Hanson One Nation, a guy called Ian Nelson, Ashby contacted him. This is how much of an opportunistic opportunist Ashby is. Ashby contacted him out of the blue and said, mate, I can print all your Pauline Hanson's material at half price because he had a printing business called Black Bull. Yeah. And Nelson went, oh, good, mate. And he said, I'd like to meet Pauline. Ah, fine, no worries. And as soon as James got to near Pauline, he clicked into gear and they're an item. Not sexually an item. Well, I've heard rumours, but... Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but they're an item, and they, they've been together. And then they've been—they did the the tour and that little aircraft, in that that airplane, little, yeah. little jab. So he owned the yeah. plane, which kind of uh, meant he had. Well, he had he, the plane, which meant he, he had Pauline. He he had the wet lease. Yeah. So that like that's so opportunistic, isn't it? Oh, nobody knows who owns that plane. Yeah, right. No one knows. No, no. it's never been revealed where that plane comes from. They they wrote off some expenses of the aircraft. In one nation, yeah, against one nation, but only little bits, a couple of services, a couple of other little things. So there was never any admission of ownership. Yeah, James has always said he didn't own it. You know, it was, it was clearly somebody coughed up for it. Start so, yeah. type of person that puts a million dollars into a blind trust, maybe. Yeah, that sort of person. Well, yeah, yeah, that's right. And you know, and then there, and then he was he was a cunning operator in the sense that all of the candidates who put their hands up to run for Pauline. For whatever reason, that party appealed to them, and they wanted to represent, you know, the people through One Nation. Where it was later found that Ashby had them signed up to, 
you know, they had to pay their way to become a candidate, and you know, the party made a bomb off these people, who, yep. and not all of them even got got it got a start, which probably speaks to the reason that almost within minutes of uh, her landing them all a Senate place, they all rolled on her and went independent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The only one who stayed loyal was Malcolm Roberts, who ended up losing his job in the citizenship scandal when they realised he was the son of a Scottish man born in British India. Yeah. And then, obviously, he got back in, uh, moved to the top of the ticket three years later. When you look at this system and and the people that are allowed to operate within it, are you seeing some people that, you know, if they didn't have Parliament House, they'd be pouring barrels of poison into rivers? Are we we dealing with some proper psychopaths? Oh, I give you a Clive Parliament. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's doing both. I'm not, I'm not accusing Clive of being a psychopath. <laughs> no, mate, it's got me fucked how he's still walking around. I mean, yeah. Well, they, I mean, they do the same with their... I mean, his, it strikes me that what he's doing at the moment is, is it's a power play for, for his resource business, yep. for his mining and his greed and his digging stuff up. Yep. And that's what it's all about. It's not, not about getting political power back anymore. When I said you before we were talking about how many you need to get a party, five, now it's 1,500. The other way to get a party for free is have a sitting member join you, mm. and you go right. Okay, I've now got a political party. Yep. So he gets he gets Kelly across. Kelly. So they've got a political party, and if that's Palmer, in the last month, Craig yeah, Kelly's moved yeah, across. If yeah. Palmer's doing what he did last time. It's you find some poor sap to run in every seat in the country. So you've got to run in every single seat, and which is what are you doing? And even though you've got tons of money, you make them pay for it because why not? You know. So you get all these people to pay for the seat, you run in every seat in the country, and then you can say to the libs, mate, what about your preferences? Yeah, we're You know, if, if you give me that, I'll give you that bit over there. And, you know, yeah. I'm not accusing Clive of any illegal oh, activities. Mate, he's, he's a litigious man. Like, we never would. It stinks of just, you <laughs> but know. But it does stink. Of just taking the votes that have essentially bled from the Liberal Party and taking them and redirecting them back to the Libs. Especially what he, after what he did to Queenslanders, how, how he gets, how he... Yeah, has a, all of his poor body workers, yeah. you know, that he's just... Yeah, it. Yeah, there's yeah. certain towns he won't visit anymore. But, <laughs> you know, the only positive we do get from this kind of, um, that, that kind of bizarre political play is we end up with people like Jackie Lambie, who end up being lifers. That's probably the only positive I can think of this whole Clyde Palmer experiment is that he uh, he accidentally got gave us Jackie, yeah, um, yeah, and uh, and she'll get reelected. But you know, you're starting to see a little bit of this growing independent in Parliament because you know the, we've got the safe Labor seats, we've got the marginal Labor seats, and then particularly in the Senate, people like to give someone else a go. We've got the safe Liberal seats. And, and, in fact, we're starting to see the most unsafe Liberal seats are, are, are what used to be their blue ribbon. I reckon uh, Zali will get back in, up okay. in, in Tony Abbott's old seat. And, and you know, we saw Karen Phelps with the shortest term um, <laughs> in political history down there. Um, North Sydney and then some of the yeah, Brisbane's uh, Liberal inner city. You know, we start getting these wives of bankers and uh, husbands of bankers who are, you know, a bit worried about the climate or a bit worried about, you know, mm. wealth disparity. Mm. And uh, and we're starting to see uh, a kind of a chink in the in the government's armour in that sense. Koo Yong too, I think. Mm. Yeah. Koo Yong, yeah, for sure. Yeah, where uh, Old Josh. <laughs> no. Where, what's his name, that lawyer, he tried to out... Koo Yong, Koo Yong, Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he, he didn't <laughs> get I'm from Koo Yong. <laughs> I am from Koo Yong. What would you say the archetypical Finn voter would look like in your mind? Oh, it's remarkable. You know, our memberships, are, we've got people in the 90s down to 
18. Yep. We've got really, quite seriously, we've got, in, 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 across Australia, it's remarkable when you look at it, the range of people. So there's nothing that unifies people by age or demography mm-hmm. that we can see. Yep. Yeah, okay. And it's going to be an interesting election, as we've seen with the state elections, that one nation might have had their run. We saw that in the Queensland state election, certainly. And what we always see and what the Labor Party don't like mentioning is that one nation bleed from Labor and they go back to Labor. Once they've had that pressure valve of getting Pauline in, Mm. they do go back to Labor uh, in the more rural Labor seats, traditional Labor seats. Do you think your your policies or basically your MO uh, will resonate with the Bush? And what kind of corruption have you seen on that level in kind of nat heart lands? Oh, well, we can start with gas. Where do you want to, where do you want to step? Water? Yeah. Start with gas. We'll go up to Narrabri. Yeah, well, yes. the Narrabri, uh, the, whole, the, whole gas, the whole gas field's up there. In the Pilliga. Yeah, the Pilliga. Yeah. Uh, Murray-Darling Basin for water. On the Bidge, too. That's even worse. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, there are, you could just, there's there many of them. Sports rules. I think in the, the <laughs> because the Liberals have no qualms about brutalising the country, I think a lot of NAT seats probably will become vulnerable as the environmental impacts kick in. Of what well, they have down in, in New South Wales. I mean, they've gone bananas out there, bloody um, the shooters, fishers and farmers. They're, you know, stealing some seats off the National Party, you know, just like their gigs of water. Yeah. They're just going missing. Yeah. Yeah, what was that one down there on, um, on Victoria's Fringe as well? Victorian... Uh, down on the Murray. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was taken Far by West Independent. Far New South yeah. Wales. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a, there's a lot to really point a stick at when you really want to sit down. We could do we, we, maybe we'll do that close to the election. We'll sit yeah. down and rattle off every every scandal, every every. Um, I was nearly going to bring a list, but because <laughs> we do have the sports rorts, we have the car park rorts, even to the point where the, we're now seeing all the bushfire aid isn't given to seats held by the Liberal Party. Uh, what was that? part of the Blue Mountains that really got a lick during the bushfires. Uh, oh, where uh, Suzanne Templeman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just, Suzanne. you know, she, she's from the wrong party, so the people there who got most affected by the bushfires. No, because I think her part of the Blue Mountains has got all the apples in it, mm. and, it and it went to the highway part where they're all yeah. libs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a... To, um, um, buddy, no, that used to be Paul Keating's, you know, out there at the Division of Blackland, wasn't it? Yeah. Blackland, yeah. Yeah, Blackland. Yeah, no, there's there's a lot you can point out. Have you had any media interest, or is this not in their interest it's to be in, interested? It's not in their interest. No. Well, it's our, in our interest. We're happy to have you on today, Ross. I mean, we, we, I mean, we obviously, Independent Australia helps us out. Yeah. And we do what we can. We're on Blue Mountains Radio the other yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that'll get them. Uh, yeah, every time. Uh, so, no, I mean, we're not really – the mainstream media don't, don't like us very yep. much. Yeah, there's so uh, you're not you're not going to get your talk back kind of plugs uh, in the way Pauline does every time they want to rattle ben the Fordham. cage. Yeah, and, and a lot of it, a lot of it <laughs> from uh, Benny Ford is because we did come out of the pages of Independent Australia, yep. I suppose, to start yeah. with. And a lot of the mainstream media really don't like Independent Australia because we've broken some stories that they, you know, they then claim to have for themselves. Yep. Always we refer to as disparagingly as a blog. Yep. You know, yeah. Despite the fact it's far from it. Yeah. But so they just disparage it and write it off all the time. But, you know, each readers know what it is. So, uh, well, well, we'll do the call out now. We've got the, yeah. um, the preference whisper if you're listening in. We need, you to, we need you to do your magic. Fordham, if you're listening in. Hadley, if you're listening in, mate. It's, it's media suppression to not interview these blokes. And, of course, today's show, Sunrise, Koshy Carl, 
Give him a look in. Give him a look, and that's all it takes. There's only one reason why we saw Pauline Hansen clean up in 2016 and again in 2019. It's because uh, you blokes couldn't get enough of her, yeah. and uh, neither could your hey, audience. Pauline Hansen got elected because of Michael Rowland last time. I mean, he just <laughs> he just gave he just spoke about her all day and night on that. <laughs> ABC television show his. <laughs> but if you're interested in more information about the Federal ICAC party, about joining it, you can just go to www.federalicacnow.org and you'll find out all the information there, contact, events, news, how to join. Free if, to join. If you want to volunteer, it, it is free to join. It's not like Clive Palmer's party where <laughs> he'll hold you upside down, buy your ankles and shake all the money out of you just to no. get a look in. I do like the logo you're working with here. Oh. Fin, Federal ICAG now with a shark fin. Yeah. Okay, this is going to make him nervous. Yeah, it's a, it is a good logo. <laughs> Well, thanks for joining us today, Ross. I think this is an interesting uh, interesting uh, development in Australian politics. This conversation's happening at the ballot, which uh, which I think it needs to, and I think a lot of people will agree it needs to. So, yeah. Well, let's yeah. see if you can get those uh, 300 extras now that they've changed the rules on you, 300 extra members, and uh, yeah. and then let's, uh, let's see what you get. It's a great excuse to finally learn how to vote properly in the Senate. Mm. I mean, just don't go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Look for Finn. Yeah, look, look for Finn. Finn. Look go, for the big black Go Finn. back through and learn and, and, and vote properly. Thank you. Thanks for joining us.